Welcome to the Black on Black Education Podcast, where we interview the most brilliant minds and connected hearts to discuss our shared passion for the transformation, the revolution, reimagining, and recreation of education in the Black community. My name is Eva Loren Jean Charles, founder of Black on Black Education and New York City High School teacher. And I'm Jamal Thomas, her partner and dad, education enthusiast. And we're, and we're your, your host. host. Please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. And most importantly, to enjoy the episode. Great afternoon or morning or evening, wherever it is where you are at and at the point where you are listening to this podcast. Uh, we would like to uh, kick things off directly to our guests by asking, who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Sure. So this is a question I get quite often. So, <laughs> so my name is Kyra Branch. Um, I am a chemical engineer. Um, that is my background. I started my career in oil and gas. I currently work in the space industry. That has led me to do something that's dear and near to my heart. Um, I am currently now uh, two years strong as a founder and CEO of an organization here in Houston, Texas called Black Girls Do Engineer. Uh, where our organization goes is to provide access, awareness, and advocate for 2 million Black American girls to choose them by the year 2050. So outside of that, <laughs> I am a mom. Um, I'm a mom of three daughters, three beautiful daughters, and a wife as well. So I wear many, many hats, but um, my organization, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, is, is a huge passion of mine, so I'm happy to be doing it. Absolutely. And so, I mean, that passion comes through immediately. Like, it is just clear that you are in it, you're ready. Um, and I would love for you to talk about your inspiration. Right before we started recording, we talked specifically about why the name is Black Girls Do Engineer and not Black Girls Do Engineering. So, yes. So, our name is Black Girls Do Engineer, um, particularly because our tagline, you know, our mission here is to prove that Black Girls Do Engineer. Um, and we're doing that because my team, we are the STEM professionals who are, who are doing it. We are engineering. We are working in these STEM careers. Um, and we're providing that representation that's much so needed within our community. So we're, we're pretty on about that. We want to let them know that they can do it. And so we're proving to them that they can. Most certainly, most certainly. It, it's, it's absolutely something that, uh, you know, needs to occur more of for, for, for Black kids, but, you know, particularly for Black girls, there's always been this kind of um, idea, you know, that, that somehow that's just not a thing that, you know, women want to want to go into. Um, can you go a little bit into your kind of K through 12 experience? Was there something that happened during that period of time that led you to say, you know what, I can engineer, I, I, I want to be in, 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 the, in the sciences? So my, um, although I'm an engineer, I work very hard to get there. I actually come from an underserved community, um, from a single parent household. I am a first generation college graduate. Um, so a lot of my K through 12 experience uh, for me, compared to my children, because I have something to compare it to <laughs> from theirs, um, it was challenging, um, but I wouldn't have never known. I always did really well in school. I got a lot of awards in school, and so I always love to learn. So I went to school all the time just because of that. Um, however, now, as I've had to see some difference in comparisons, um, most definitely could have been better, but I understand now we we struggled when I was in school, K through 12, with resources, and they are still struggling with that today. 
uh, they don't have the resources um, to be able to, to bring this interest or, or peak these students or, or do those type of things in school. And I didn't have that either. We did have community in schools and stuff like that. That was kind of like our only exposure. But like some of these schools have electives for engineering. We did not have that. Um, but what sparked me to know that I was good in science <laughs> outside of my grades was one of my teachers. Her name was Miss Chapman. Um, she was known as the toughest teacher uh, in our high school. Um, and many kids tried to avoid her for those reasons. And so I actually was intrigued to take her class. I was like, why are everybody running from her? Uh, so I got in her class. I was um, in my chemistry. It was she was taught chemistry at our high school. And she challenged us. Uh, when I was taking in school, we were taking a tax test is what they called it. And she said, whoever passed their science portion of, portion of their tax test is going to be exempt from our final exam. Uh, and I ended up being the only student in my class to do have done that and be exempt. And when that happened, I said, oh my God, <laughs> maybe I'm good at this. That was my aha moment. <laughs> and so I wanted to stick at it. Um, you know, stick with it because I love doing the stuff that I did in her class, but I never knew what I can actually do with it. That, that was something no one took the time to actually tell me what I can do with it. They will, you know, applaud me for being smart, doing well in school, getting awards, but no one ever said, hey, you should consider engineering. Even growing up in my household, no one said, hey, do you want to be an engineer? It was always, do you want to be a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer? And so I never knew. It wasn't until I got to my freshman year of college that I knew that I could be a chemical engineer. Mm. I mean, I just big shout out to Ms. Chapman, first of all, you know, because we, we love to hear about teachers who, you know, create this sense of, of inspiration. I am curious, was she black or was she was she white? Not, <laughs> she was a white teacher. <laughs> which is, which is, it's fantastic. Like, we, we love to hear it. But, you know, oftentimes we hear about stories of people not having enough, you know, black teachers or when they do them having like an outsized impact on what ultimately happens, you know, for someone's life. Um, I love how you went into the idea that um, you you nobody told you what to do with it, you know, because mm -hmm. that that I, something that I'm constantly saying with, with regard to education is that you know students don't want to learn you know calculus or physics that you know students want to learn how to go to the moon, so that you, you they they want to learn about what they can do with it. So um, what was it, you, you, I know you went to, you know, you talked about first year college, I know you're an HBCU grad. Um, mm -hmm. Was that where you started to put together um, uh, what you exactly. could do Exactly. Yeah, so I always tell my journey. Um, I graduated from the Prairie View a University. I actually graduated again on Saturday <laughs> with my master's. Um, and so um, my aunt, <laughs> she's she's probably a part of it as well. Um, when I was in high school, like most kids in our community, either into sports or some type of, um, for me, it was dance. Dance was my outlet in high school. So I had this theory I was going to go to college and major in dance. I was going to go be a tour, a backup dancer for Usher all around the world. So I go into college thinking that's what it's about to be for me. And my aunt told me real quickly, to get myself a real major. And I was like, what is a real major? <laughs> this is what I want to do. And so my aunt wasn't having it. And so I went to talk to my advisor. And so I was talking to my advisor and I was like, okay, well, I have, I've been always good math science. And I, what can I do with this? She said, you should try, you know, our school of engineering. And I still tried to throw in that dance minor. And she was like, 
for me, she told me, and maybe it's something you can do today. She told me when you write your resume and you go to look for a job, how is that going to work for you? I'm a chemical engineer with a dance minor. And so it's like, okay. So I let my dance thing go. Um, and from that moment, she enrolled me into the, to the College of Engineering. I was okay with that because what I learned being in school is cheaper to declare a major than be undecided. And my parents didn't have money to pay for me to go to school. So it was the best route for me <laughs> to try to find a cheaper option. Um, and so because of my advisor, I took a challenge on the College of Engineering. And as I got into the College of Engineering, I started setting goals for myself to make sure it happened for me. Mm. And I think that goal setting piece is so important um, because a lot of students leave high school with not even any set of goals, right? And then they leave college with no other set of goals besides get a job. And so you talking about coming through your journey and recognizing that you needed to set goals for yourself throughout your time in college to prepare yourself for what you wanted to do after is so important to the conversation. And I think that there are some goals that need to be set in the STEM world um, as it pertains to how they are going to pull people in, how they are going to get diversity in their discipline, in their career path. How are we going to get people who look like all of us sitting on this podcast, more integrated into the engineering space. So talk a little bit about how your organization does that, how it begins to do that through your mission, but also what you're doing on a day-to-day. -day. Yes, and so um, as I've worked in my career, I've been in my career about seven years now, um, I have always been the only one who looked like me. Um, what I dealt with a lot, especially coming from a predominantly black community um, with people of color, um, that when I got into college, even though I went to HBCU um, and to the workforce, it was a big shock for me. I come from a little bitty town, Port Arthur, Texas, and then not graduate. Then my mom shipped us to Austin, so it's really big. And um, getting to college, most of the kids in the program that I learned during college, their parents were either engineers or some other type of STEM profession in their family. It was just a family thing. And so it really like made me be like, oh my God, do I fit in here, right? Um, and then when I got into the workforce, I still struggle with that. Do I fit in? Because um, going to HBCU, you do see more people that look like you. But even though we all look alike, everybody are at different stages of their lives. Everybody didn't come from the same background, you know? Um, and so I came from a different community, so I struggled with that. But then when I got into the industry, no one looked like me. <laughs> so I had to adapt to being the only Black woman on my team. Still to this day, I'm the only Black woman on my mm. team. And mm. so I'm actually the only Black person on my team as well. Mm. Um, and so I um, I wanted to, I cry. I tell people I cried plenty of tears before I created my organization. And now I know why. Um I wanted to make sure there was a comfortable space for Black women um, in this field. But I knew already in this field, there were a lot of great organizations to support women, but our children was the future. And so I had to, you know, sit down and evaluate, you know, how to reach the kids. But but I always felt that way. But the I, what put the pep into my step to start this organization was my own daughter. Um, she came to me, she was eight at the time, and she said to me that she wanted to be a software engineer. And, and I looked at my husband, I was like, oh my God, because I never really talked to him about what I did, 
because I knew I had went through a lot during my journey of doing it. And um, when she said that to me, it let me know two things. One, that she that girls are interested in STEM. People always say girls are not interested. Mm. She showed me that they were. And two, that if anybody who can help her is her mom, because I'm already doing the field of work. But I knew if I put her in organizations within our community, she would be the only Black one because everything she participated, she has been. So I told my husband, I'm going to go get my girls. When I said that, particularly Black girls, <laughs> girls who look like us. Um, and I got off the floor that day and started my organization. Mm. Mm. I, I, I mean, chills. Uh, because Black and Black education has a similar story. It was like, what are we going to do? How do we fix the issue that we're having in the world? How do we do that? We have a name, we have an idea. Let's go find, figure it out what, what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I absolutely, absolutely love like that origin story. Yeah. Was- I had no idea what, like most business starters, where to start, <laughs> but I knew that I was the best person to do the job. Um, because Although I've I've gone through a lot of challenges, I have always done well in my profession. I've always done things that no one could do. So I knew it's the best for the job because of my path. Like I started smaller and my manager had 50 plus years of experience. And his goal was to install like all of his knowledge into the younger engineers he hired. He wanted, we were supposed to take over the company. They were supposed to retire. (laughs) So I already had um, a lot of experience out the gate. Um, And now I know, looking at my organization, it all was for a reason. Um, And so I knew I was the best person for the job. Absolutely love it. it. So um, in terms of being the best person for the job, let's let's dive deeper into the job. Like, you know, what what does uh, what what does programming look like, Um, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. I, I, I particularly want to hear about that very interesting, um, you know, kind of seven layer thing you got going on. That, that that was interesting when we talked about that. Let me know. Yeah, so our program, uh, we serve girls ages nine to 21 years old, a big old range, but we do it for lots of reasons because one, they can grow, continue to grow with us. And two, because we've been K through 12 and college students ourselves, me and my team. So we are we are able to give them our experiences that continue to help them grow. Um, so we are a very hands-on STEM um, organization. We do our focuses in science, technology, engineering, mathematics. We also do robotics and coding. Um, and we do grow like a tree. So our logo, uh, I tried to put her on. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't think you can see her. Um, she is, her hair symbolizes the tree. It's roots, roots growing her hair. Um, when I started to create the logo, my question to myself was, was uh, I wanted to embody the strength of women um, through my logo and, uh, you know, how great Black women are. And so she symbolizes that. And I feel like we're strength and we always symbolize growth. And so um, my organization is a tree. <laughs> she grows. And so we have a levels based around the tree. You know, you have your roots, your soil, your branch, your trunk, your branches. And then our college students are considered our crown of our tree. Um, and with those levels, you pretty much is tailoring to specific grade levels. So we know that our fourth graders should not be doing what our eighth graders are doing. 
our singers should be on a different track. Our college students, they want a job pretty much. <laughs> so we tailor all of our, I say our curriculum, I guess it's my built curriculum. I just wake up and say, hey, this is what we're doing today. And so that's what we do. Um, and so it's built to cater to them in a, in a level that works for them, but also to have them continue to grow with us. And so it symbolizes a tree. Um, and we have spent the first two years of existence doing that hands-on, but we're really excited about year three because we have revamped our program most definitely for the future, which will still have that hands-on experience, but it's going to be uh, focused very differently. And we're very excited about that. Absolutely. I think it's super cool to be able to grow and expand and redevelop and rechange your curriculum as an educator. Um, some educators have full autonomy over their curriculum and don't know what to do with it. And then some educators have no autonomy over their curriculum and they feel stifled. So yeah. kind of like in the middle of knowing that this is the very specific focus that we have, but we need to be big enough um, and broad enough to serve our nine to 21 year old people. So I think that mm -hmm. that's extraordinarily important. Um, I would love for you to just talk a little bit about um, access and and what you what your hopes are for access to the sort of content that you have uh, for people of color in general, particularly in schools. So if you're thinking about uh, for you, you growing up and not having access to understanding what engineering was or what STEM fields even looked like, um, I think there's a big push for STEM and STEM schools in New York City, STEM schools and all of these different places that are like doing it, but are they preparing the kids for what they need post 12th grade in high school? So talk a little bit about what you think needs to change within the education system to increase um, the black community's understanding of what STEM means and how it can be a very lucrative career um, to move into. Yeah, for me, um, you know, I always speak when I'm involved with conversations with edu educators that do K through 12. Um, I always speak from a professional standpoint. So my organization is based around real life experience. Uh, we're teaching the girls in our organization to do what we do on, at work on an everyday basis. Think how we think at work, right? Um, so very much so different. Um, but I think to strengthen that, that resource piece, um, it's something I've been doing working with educators now. You have to have professionals and teachers working together. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this has been something discussed before me. I'm sure people have been fighting that fight. <laughs> but that's the fight that I fight. Um, we should be working together. Um, there's no reason, you know, it, it, I love educators. The curriculum they built is fantastic. But we need to be able to go into these schools and help them take from what the teachers are teaching them and helping them apply them to real life. That just needs to be happening. Um, oh, and, oh, sorry. And it's I, I don't I know I'm in Houston. I don't know how much has gone on. I'm, I'm fairly new, but I know this is something since I've started off and pushing hard for. Yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. I, I, I often talk about the fact that. Um, the private sector has to be involved with, you know, what it means to create um, productive citizens for the country. Like, you know, it, it's, it has to be about more than just, hey, we want more workers. Um, it has to be about like, you, you guys are a, a part, um, you're, you're another institution um, and, and you're responsible as well 
for for making sure that people grow up and 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 are incredible. And so mm-hmm. um, I think that that some companies should be adopting schools in some way, yeah. shape, form, or fashion, and and absolutely bringing people in as mentors. And you know, it's why you know why students got to sit in the school all day. You know, send them over to the building and let them you know walk around and see what looks interesting and you know see who looks interesting. Hey, what are you doing? And give people an opportunity to spend thirty minutes an hour of their day. You know patting a kid on the head like that would be such an inspirational experience for for, for students um and i'm not gonna say it's not happening um mm-hmm. i don't think it's happening at the the, the level um that that it probably should be so I'm, absolutely I'm i to, mean go ahead i mean think about so pepsico one of pepsico's buildings is next door to the high school that i went to think it lets to think about the neighborhood that I was in, the, the demographics of the neighborhood that I was in. And it was a upper middle class place. And so of course, PepsiCo had time to invite every single kid who was in a science class to come and walk through the building and sit and talk to the, uh, the engineers and the chemists and all the people who make these things happen and spend a full day just in this building of knowledge with 3D printers and all of these things. Um, And it was so exciting. And so when I think about the people who I go to school with who are preparing to go into medical school and are getting engineering degrees and chemical degrees and and all of these different things, well, if I don't even know what that is, how do I ever do it? Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna go. No, no, exactly, go ahead. We spent, with my program, I I remember the very first day of our member meeting. That's what my girls, we spent the whole hour talking about. They were just amused to see Black women in these spaces. It was just a shock for them. Um, they And that's why we are who we are. That's why our organization is who we are. I mean, we are giving that representation. They have to see it to believe it. And we, we supply that. Um, our organization has been able to do a lot of, we have a mentorship program. We pair our girls with STEM professionals. Uh, we're about to kick off our training program. So these girls are going to be getting a lot of great skills, right? But I have been having conversations with educators on how to make the two mingle. I have a lot in, I have a lot in work, a lot of plans. I won't say what they are, <laughs> but I am working to try to make that route a lot better from doing, you, I just want to be just able tell to us once we get off. You could just tell us, you could just tell us. <laughs> I can't tell you, but stay tuned. That's what I tell everybody. Stay tuned. And they always ask me, what's next? <laughs> that's why people need to be tapped in. That's why people need to be tapped in, which is, I mean, beautifully connects to what we wanted to ask next. Like if there's a parent or an educator listening to this right now, how do they connect with Black Girls Do Engineer so that they can implement it into their classrooms to the capacity that they can and that they uh, that they're able to um because i think that would really support educators just walking into the next year thinking about how they provide a practical education sure so we always invite educators to reach out to us um, at info at blackgirlsdoengineer.org that's our email and you can always go to our website www.blackgirlsdoengineer.org um, and it's the contact. You just have to hit the contact us button um, and it goes to us, me and my team. Uh, very passionate. I, I know we're very passionate because we all still work and do what we do. <laughs> we're doing a good job at it. <laughs> so we want to be doing this. And so we will reach back out to you and provide you with any information. Um, if it's a school that is interested in seeing how the program can come in, 
Um, we always schedule meetings to have those conversations because it always starts with a conversation. You know, it has to be had so we can know what we need to do to make it better. And and definitely go to the site because you will be getting an opportunity to see that super dope logo. It, it really is. It's, it's, it's illustrative. Uh, I, I can see the roots, the branches. Like it, 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 it in a picture, it shows exactly uh, what it's like to 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 grow um, a young lady into an engineer. So I I, I love how how uh, how that's there. Um, and you, are, you yeah. Instagram too. So like, you know, let people know. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, that is actually what kicked us off, our Facebook page. Um, and that's our website. So the, how it looks now, this is the last week. Our new site, will we kick it off next week. So you'll really see a full grown tree. Uh, <laughs> we have a new site that's about to launch. But our Facebook, we, we love our Facebook, our Instagram. Um, we have gotten pretty much 100% of our members because of Facebook. <laughs> so our social media, we're very social media driven, our organization. So you can follow us on Facebook at Black Girls Do Engineer or Instagram um, or um, LinkedIn. I mean, I have a huge uh, connection on LinkedIn. Um, and so I always invite people there as well. Um, so I'm, yeah, I like I'm, I'm very fortunate for the for, for this conversation myself. Um, I've had the opportunity to be involved in a lot of topics around this in Houston. So I'm very excited to be here, really. Absolutely. I, I mean, I am curious real quick. Sorry. It, it, are there any connections to like Black Girls Code? Um, and it, it's I know it's not the same, but there, there are mm -hmm. some you know similarities. Uh, like, do you work with them in any way, shape, form, or fashion? So I have not worked with Black Girls Code. Um, I have worked with some organizations that I called here. One that paved the way for me. Um, that <laughs> when I started, she was a great mentor. Her, her her name is Dr. Reagan Flowers. I work with Easton here in Houston. So I've had the chance to work with a lot of organizations here in Houston, but I've never worked with Black Girls Code. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, it's all about making those connections, thinking about ways um, where we can we can just mend um, the disconnect that there is between people who are doing extraordinarily work, uh, extraordinary work all over the country and outside of it. So uh, we're so grateful to have been able to just tap in just a little bit of what uh, Black Girls just it was my brain. <laughs> Black it girls just, do engineer. No worries. It just went. <laughs> Black girls do engineer. Um, because I mean, again, I don't teach in the STEM field, but uh, for all my educators that do, it is so important to make the connection to the real world so that you don't have every other child in your classroom talking about some why do I need to know this or why are we doing this? Um, because I hear that question 150 times a day teaching high school kids, and you need to have a good answer. And by tapping in with organizations that have a good answer and are giving that real life experience, you then have an answer that has students like, hmm, wait, hold on. You mean I can make what? I can do what? I can create what? And that's just, that's the start of, of flooding the STEM field with black and brown students that are gonna fix the issues um, that this country so desperately needs fixed. Yeah, and I can say from my girls, from when we started, they had no background in STEM. And my girls can tell you now what they want to be, what school they want to go to, wow. and their interests. And think about being nine and like yeah. getting there. Yeah. Nothing's going to stop them, kids. Ugh, powerful work. Oh, Dad, you're on mute. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I mean, no, we, we really do appreciate you, you know, sharing everything you shared, man. It, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, my, my biggest takeaway is just the fact that kids are aspirational. And if you expose them to these things, they will take it and they will run with it. So we, we, we so appreciate you sharing everything you have. Um, before we let you go, we, we always do give uh, our interviewees an opportunity to become the interviewer um, and ask Eva and I any question that you might have. No, I mean, every time I see your name, just in this, in, in itself, I get excited. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, just from my standpoint, so um, what's next for you? Like, what do you need? What is what is the teachers fighting for? Like, give me an overview, because I I'm not in the classroom, but I'm always trying to help and do my part. And so I know we've talking about STEM, but I just want to know what's the fight right now? Mm. I, I know, That's I know Eva question. loves that question. You just gave her, you know, the eye on you because of what she's doing right now. Go ahead, Eva. Because we'd be fighting. Um, but I mean, I can't, I obviously can't speak for all educators because some educators are out here fighting to not talk about race in school. So uh, we have to start with, like, we're not a monolith as, as educators. And that's not, I was about to say, unfortunately, but that's not an unfortunate thing. It's great that the, that the education space has people who are so diverse in terms of thinking, um, but the community of educators that we're tapped into um, are fighting to make sure that history is taught properly, to make sure that education connects to the real world, to make sure that access to an equitable education is available to students of color because they can learn, they want to learn, and they will learn when they are given the opportunity to do so. Um, and they are in a facilitating environment for learning. And so schools across the country have to begin to recognize that chorus man could not have ever, 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 ever planned for a public education system of 2021. Stop looking at his work for a reason or for a blueprint of what we should be doing. For those of you who don't know who Horace Mann is, he is like the father of the public education system in the United States. And so it is extraordinarily important that we think about where we want to go in terms of education. And there are a lot of incredible educators that are doing that work on a daily basis. And so we amplify their work as much as we possibly can um, and spread the word about what they are all doing because this community of educators, I think is what's going to change the course of the public education system. Um, and not because, as my dad always says, not because the education system wants to change, but because it has to. Um, yeah. And so I think that's, that's, the, that's the fight. So, so she asked you that, and I thought you were going in a particular direction. So, like, she threw you the alley oop, and you grabbed it, and you ran back to the three point line, and you hit a three pointer. You didn't dunk it, and but a three point is, you know, great anyway. But the dunk was. But the, actually, like a three pointer is more points. I just than. <laughs> but you're saying nobody, like I didn't nobody, dunk it, but like it's more points. I'm trying to allow than you if to I dunk had it dunked it. Why we argue? I'm trying to allow you to dunk it. The teacher action board. That was she said. What's next? You know, she was saying with teachers. It was. She asked us what the fight was. But again, in order for us to continue <laughs> the fight, we're coming together in community once a month with a teacher action board for Black and Black education. Uh, we come together with educators all across the country. We've got folks out in Texas, St. Louis, Memphis, um, California, Seattle, New York, 
Florida, like I could continue to go on educators um, that are coming together once a month to have conversations about what's going on in their classroom, what they need, how they can be supported, um, and just to be in community around like, you might be working at a school that is not about that life. And so at least you um, end up being in a group once a month to get something to look forward to. Um, so that's kind of what's next. That is our big kind of baby love child. Um, and it's donation based. So educators that are tapped into the podcast, if you are interested in fighting that fight, not alone, but with a group of incredible people across the country, tap into the teacher action board uh, for Black and Black Education. Is that better? It's not <laughs> better, it's it's just end, okay? I like, I like three-pointed it, got it back on it's the rebound and then dunked it. You Is can't that get how a it rebound. If you hit a three-pointer, you can't get a rebound. It doesn't work that I way. I can if they start <laughs> winning the other way and then I have the ball. <laughs> this is what I go through. This is what I go through. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. And Thank if you're you. not watching this on YouTube, it's much funnier if you can see our faces. So make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love it. I have um, a lot of Black educators that just come, you know, from my family alone. And so, yeah. Um, this is my way to, to help, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to help um, give yeah. my professional point of views and tell talk about what I, um, I can't say what can happen in a classroom, but I can give what we do in our work line of work to try to help them try to get get to that path so absolutely absolutely the education system is not just what happens in the school building it is what happens when the private sector when the public sphere when people from the community all decide that they want to be a part of the education of the next generation of folks and you have very clearly done that so we are so grateful there's no better place to end than on the, the fact that tap into the professionals educators the <laughs> people that you know in your life that can help you amplify your teaching practice because uh, that's what Kyra Branch is doing and that is what you all should be doing as well. Uh, leave the folks with a couple words and then we can get on out of here. I was just going to say stay tuned. I got stuff in the works. Love it. Love it. And, we, and we look forward to highlighting it. We, we definitely look forward to, please, you know, like, just tell us first. We need the exclusive story. That's what we <laughs> <laughs> Y'all want a breaking news? Yeah, we got you. <laughs> breaking news. Absolutely. Thank you what so much for listening. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you so much for listening to the Black and Black Education Podcast. We'll see y'all next week.